I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The following podcast contains explicit language. The question is, if one of our pilots goes, uh-huh. or both, where will our office be? Oh, well, not in my house. And then I'm going to turn our office into a craft room. Ooh. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, I'm going to tell the story of how I became Violet's mom. Yes, many listeners have sent questions wanting to hear the details of your story, and today they will hear it all. Then in Take a Hike, actor-singer Amanda Nora Reed, who happens to be the wife of our executive producer Chuck, will talk to us about how to make our voices stronger. I need this. Finally, this week's Hair Hollywood Hack offers an alternative to getting an expensive blowout. Liz, this is like the goal Mm -hmm. of your life. Yes. But first, an update. We have officially turned in both our pilot scripts. (sighs) They're done. Yeah. Which means we are waiting. Waiting. Yes. But we do want to thank everyone, um, our listeners, who have been such cheerleaders throughout this development process. Yes. Thank you very much. Hopefully we'll have good news. Uh, If not, then... We'll have tears. We'll have tears and a new journey will begin. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, it's time for a very special from the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's your story. Yes. You talk often on the podcast about being an only parent to Violet. It was quite a journey to get there, and we've had many listeners ask you to tell the whole story. Of course, it's a very personal story, but it's also a work story because being an only parent makes navigating your career a bit more complicated. Yes, and um, our career made becoming an only parent a bit more complicated as well. Um, Yes, I've heard from so many women who are thinking about becoming moms on their own, and there are guys out there thinking about becoming dads on their own, So, and wanting to know how kind of I handle it all, which is not alone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we thought it would be, you know, a good thing to talk about today. So Sarah, the story really begins way back in 2005 when you went to Ethiopia with your mom. Yeah, and maybe even in 2004, I had sort of started thinking, like, I think I maybe am not going to meet, like, the man of my dreams here in L.A. And started thinking, like, okay, I may end up being a parent on my own. Like, if I really want to be a parent, then I might have to do it by myself. Just sort of thinking about it in a very 
deep in my brain kind of Mm -hmm. way. And then in 2005, I went to Ethiopia with my mom on a trip, and we did some volunteering at an orphanage. And there was a little girl there who I wanted to adopt, but for an array of reasons, wasn't able to. But that really gelled for me that I really want to do this, and how am I going to make this happen? Mm -hmm. And it took many years and many different roads. I think I went down every possible road Mm -hmm. and finally landed at doing it myself with donor sperm. Yeah, and I remember when I was pregnant with Jack, I think that really brought it to the forefront because we were sort of at that age. Yep. (laughs) And you started a blog called Starfish Envy, um, which I love that title because starfish can regenerate on their own, which is how you got it. And I was so jealous of the starfish. And you really there chronicled your your sort of process toward figuring this out. Mm -hmm. So you ended up going the donor sperm route, Mm -hmm. and then there was a whole process of picking the donor. Oh, God. And, I mean, it was so involved and intense because for people who don't know, there are these things called sperm banks, and you can go online, and there are thousands of donors. There are many, many sperm banks to start with, and then there are thousands of donors. And you actually get, depending on the cryobank, you get a fair amount of information. And you have to kind of decide what your priorities are. And mine, obviously, given my family history, health and uh, uh, family history of Alzheimer's was like the biggest one for me. If I saw any kind of like brain disease, I was like, and you're out. And I narrowed it down, and I actually ended up using three different sperm donors. Oh, so I, I like, forgot that. Yeah, I know, right? You forget so many parts of it now that it's over. <laughs> but I was thinking about this last night. I started with one, and then, because I did five IUIs, and then I changed doctors, and then I did, I can't even exactly remember, I did nine things overall, including IVF. And I want to just stop and make a point here, which is because— you started off just trying to use your regular OBGYN. Yeah. It, that's not a good idea, I don't think, because she's not an expert, and she didn't realize that you had sort of, you needed a procedure. And yeah. so that was like a year. It was a year. It was a tremendous amount of money. It was unbelievable amount of just sort of mental yeah. strain and emotional strain. Yeah, I think it was a huge mistake to not get fully worked up mm-hmm. before I started and not to be with an expert. Now, if you're 32, I, maybe it's fine. Right. But I was 38 when I started and 40 when I finally got pregnant. Yeah. And it was two solid years of just stress. Yeah. So time is of the essence. So if you can go to a specialist, I think it's better based on what I witnessed you going through. 100%. But anyway, so you did all these, you ended up having to have a procedure. So you didn't have any chance of getting pregnant for the first however long. No, exactly. For the first at least year, I had to have a polypectomy my entire, <laughs> sorry to the men out there, my entire <laughs> uterus was like filled with polyps, which like so many that you couldn't even see them on an ultrasound. So they didn't know until I went to the expert who was like, oh, this is a problem. We're going to have to fix this. And then I actually ended up getting pregnant very quickly. So so here's one question I have, because I'm sure this is something people who are out there are thinking about doing this are wondering, which is what kind of reaction did you get when you would sort of tell people you were doing this? Was it 
supportive? Were people saying, oh, why don't you online date? I know I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there was definitely, I would say, on, on the whole, and I mean, like, the vast majority of the whole, it was a very positive reaction. My dad really wanted me to date. My mom was worried I was too old to adopt. I was like, I'm 38. Um, (laughs) Like, there were, you know, kind of weird, unexpected reactions sometimes. But for the most part, everybody was really positive about it. And I did try online dating. Uh, It was not good. Uh, um, But I did kind of give it a last, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give this a shot. And, uh, you know, not, not, not good for me. And I know one thing you wish in retrospect is that you sort of had started earlier, that once you had this notion that you wanted to do this, that you'd pulled the trigger a couple years earlier. Yes, I wish that I had done it at 35, like 100%. Because for me, the writing was on the wall. I I just was sort of scared to start and I was kind of afraid of the... You know, like my dad being like, you should date more and like and people saying I should go online and Mm -hmm. and that sort of sense of like, but you got to keep trying. I wish I had just sort of been like, you know what, forget it. This is my priority. Yeah. But I also think we were at a place in our career. And this is something that a lot of women who are in the position that I was in will be dealing with where it was very hard to just kind of disappear for doctor's appointments or disappear for lawyer's appointments and all of that kind of thing. Because I did look into so many different ways of doing this that one of the ways I tried was through DCFS, which is the, the fostering agency in L.A., and we were working crazy hours yeah. on the shield. I just couldn't go to all of the meetings. Yeah. And it ended up literally for me being easier to go to morning, like crazy early morning appointments right. with a fertility doctor than to go to all of the required evening things. And, like, if our schedule had been different, it would have been the opposite way. Right. Like, one of the big things I want to say to people is there are so many ways to do it, and they're all great. Mm-hmm. Go the way that works the best for you. Okay, and Sarah, because you did choose this path, it mm-hmm. sort of has all these other elements <laughs> to it, um, which yes. have been really interesting. So you got pregnant. Mm-hmm. You had Violet. Yep, and I want to say I got pregnant through a an IUI. It was a I was trying to do IVF. And it was an IVF that was going so badly that my doctor was like, oh, forget it. Let's just do an IUI. And that worked. I was fully at the hopeless point. Right. I remember like, very clearly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there were a couple of times when I would just be like, I'm not coming into work today because I'm staying home and crying. Yeah. Which I think everyone, single or married, who's going through any kind of fertility thing has probably had that kind of experience. I will say, I remember before your appointment to find out if you're pregnant that I was like, oh my God, you look different. (laughs) I know, you knew. You just looked different. Even though it was so new, it was like you, it was just kind of written on your face. Uh It was interesting. Oh, wow. And I wasn't like every month I was like, you're pregnant. That was the only time (laughs) that I was like, oh, my God, you look different. So go forward. You have Violet. Mm -hmm. You're coping as a new mom. I mean, that was crazy because now it's nice to have a partner. 
because there's, you know, some more flexibility. Absolutely. I mean, having a writing partner at that point was, it was crucial for you when Jack was born, and it was crucial for me when Violet was born. Yes, yes. It really, really did help both of us to have somebody there just fully taking the work slack. Hugely. And at that point, you were working on a show, and I started working on our pilot from home. Yes. And Elise, who was our assistant at the time, would, like, come to my house, and I'd be like, these are my boobs, Elise. Here we are. We're just, I'm breastfeeding, and we're, I'm breaking a pilot. And, but we, you know, we got a tremendous amount done. And that pilot got made, yes, by it the did. way. <laughs> In Hungary, that's a whole other yes. story. Oh, my God. Didn't go to series, but it did get made. Yeah. Okay, and so then you have to tell the story about the music class. Okay, so one of the things about having a child with a donor is that there are often many other families who also have kids with that donor. and. A thing that's happening more and more often is Facebook groups of people who have used the same donor, and there was one for the donor that I used. And I went to see it. Like, I I kind of checked it out when Violet was a baby, and it freaked me out. I thought, like, I don't want to deal with this. This is too much. There were 13 other kids at that point. So I kind of put it away. And then Violet and I moved to a new house, and we went to a music class, And in that music class, we walk in, and there were these two little boys with their moms. And Violet and these two little boys, Violet was 18 months old. They were 16 months old. They started just kind of, they just connected. They just kind of glommed onto each other right away in the class in a way that's very unusual for kids that age. Yes. And one of the little boys looked familiar to me, and I couldn't figure out why. And I thought, oh, my God, did I see him on the donor (laughs) website, which I hadn't looked at probably for months. Oh, my God. And so I went home after the class, and I checked it. And they, these two little boys, they're twins. They were her donor siblings. So I messaged (laughs) their moms and said, like, hey, um, we were just in class together. And it became a relationship that's been really, really important in our lives over the last, like, five years. We just went roller skating with them this weekend. And, you know, Violet considers them her brothers. And the Facebook group kind of opened a pathway to all of the other donor siblings. And there are a lot of them, but we communicate and we see each other, you know, not all the time, but every now and then. And we try and get together every other year. And it's become a really significant thing for both of us, which I did not expect. Yeah. You just never know what is around the corner with any, and that's true of any kid. Yeah. I mean, and in any circumstance, of course. Yeah. But that story, real, every time I hear it, I get chills. I'm just like, because, you know, I think I said to you when I, you initially told me this, I'm like, I am a, you know, I am an atheist, but (laughs) this does make me doubt my own conviction because this is pretty wild. Yes, it really Um, was. So it's a great story. Now, for the listeners out there who are thinking about this, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on being an only parent, how it impacts your career? I mean, you have to worry about things that I often don't have to worry about. Like if we have to go to New York to shoot something, I have Adam at home to be a dad. So yeah. it's, it's well, it's sad for me not to see Jack. I've got a parent there. Right. 
So that's more complicated. It is more complicated. And the biggest thing is preparation and Mm. support. I think about things way in advance and sort of plot out various possibilities and think of ways to manage all the various possibilities so that when we get there, I'm not scrambling. Like right now, we don't know if our pilots are getting made. And I'm thinking, well, if we have a pilot made in Miami, this is what I'll do. If we have a pilot made in New York, this is what I'll do. If we have two pilots made, this is what I'll do. You know, and I have... In the past, I've had a tremendous support network. Um, You know, my dad and my stepmom came to Hungary with me, which was amazing. And Uh, I was going to say a shit show. (laughs) 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 It was so insane to have a baby there. I know. But it was also really great. It's like one of my best memories, truly. Uh, You're like, I don't understand that. And, you know, my aunt has also, we were in editing one time, and we went to see a director's cut, and we were like, oh, shit. And I called my aunt and said, can you come, like, right now? And she did. So having those people, you know, and I still have my stepmom and my aunt, and, like, having those people who will kind of come and help in these situations is really crucial. So I would definitely tell people to, you know, look at their support network. Yeah. And, you know, I have a phenomenal nanny. Yes, and she knows your situation, so she's flexible. If yeah. you have to say at the last second, I'm not going to be home till 10 p.m., she can absorb that. Yes, and Violet loves her daughter. Like, most of her kids are older, but she has a daughter, and Violet absolutely loves her. So uh, for us, that works out very nicely. Yeah. And I will say, um, which isn't really career, which has, I will say, which has nothing to do with career, but is interesting that you often point out to me, as I think we've discussed on the show, that there's a lot about being an only parent that's easier because you get to make all the decisions and you're not arguing with anybody. A hundred percent. Yes. You see me like battling with Adam over certain things and you're like, (laughs) oh my God, I'm so happy. I don't have to deal with this. I'm just like, this is just my decision. Yeah. And increasingly, you know, I think it's more and more common. Mm-hmm. I think even if you were starting out to do this now, it would have been easier than it was when you started out 10 years ago. Yes. You know, it would, it's just more common. Yeah. Of course, we can't have this conversation without us encouraging people who can afford it to get their eggs frozen. Absolutely. Yes. Preferably at like 20, 28 to 32. Yes. <laughs> Well, I love your story. I love—you know, I never get sick of hearing it. When I love the outcome of my story. Yes, yes. <laughs> it had a wonderful outcome named Violet. I love being a mom. I lo- Yes, I love being Violet's mom. It's the best. Are you an only parent or thinking of becoming one? Do you have questions for Sarah? Send us an email or a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Next up, we get advice from actor Amanda Nore Reed about a subject that's been plaguing Liz. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had 
had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, it's time for Take a Hike, where we talk about mental, physical, or spiritual health. Today, we're talking about physical health, specifically the health of our voices, specifically the health of your voice, Liz. Yes, I have noticed that when I talk a lot, especially in a crowd, my voice, my throat, it starts to hurt so much, and I get very scratchy. I mean, even now I sound scratchy. I just... I think I have a very weak voice, and I assume this was something I just had to put up with, but my friend Amanda informed me there are exercises I can do to actually make my voice stronger, which I did not know. So we've asked Amanda to join us to discuss this issue. Amanda Nore reed is a full-time mother, full-time student, and an actor best known for her role as Madison Sinclair on Veronica Mars. She's also part of the Sankola Sound staff that we mention every <laughs> week at the end of our show. Amanda, welcome. Amanda, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so you're an actor and you sing. You have yes. a beautiful voice, Thank which I you. get to hear. So you spend a lot of time working on your voice. Yes, and I've worked with a lot of different people and kind of come up with my own technique for warming up my voice and strengthening it. And what do you, like, what's the difference between doing that and not doing it? I have never done a vocal exercise in my life. And okay. It, and you hear that in my voice. <laughs> well, the difference between not doing it and doing it is the difference between warming up your body before you're going on a run or doing any sort of exercise routine and not warming up your body. So stretching or, you know, doing any sort of exercise that would get blood flow going. Mm. A lot of your voice you have to think of as a muscle. So when you're saying you think you have a weak voice, it's it literally muscles. is a weak muscle. Yeah, I think it literally is weak muscles, I guess, in my throat or my vocal cords? Well, let's start here. Okay. Okay. In order to have a strong voice, you have to support it. Okay. And so one of the things that I think is crucial that you're probably missing is the support and the posture. Ah. Oh. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. Posture is like the bane of Liz's uh, existence. Yes. Like, yes. yes. So <laughs> if you think about it as a muscle— you exercise it all the time. You're constantly talking, right? right? Yes. And you're constantly working out that voice. So you would think that the voice would be really strong. But if you're not supporting it properly, then it's going to blah out on you. Okay. You know, yes. as you can see, when you're talking a lot, it's Absolutely. going to eventually mm. get that cracky and that sound where you lose it at the end of all of your speaking engagements. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to think about being relaxed but strong. Okay. I'm sitting so straight right, right now. I just sat up straight. <laughs> yeah. Right? You have to have a proud, open chest. Okay. Right? You have to have your shoulders down. Okay. We're feet doing firm, this as yeah. you speak. Yeah. Yes. And your face relaxed. Okay. So already— 
you're going to be giving your voice. It's hard to relax your face. I know. I know. Well, even if you're smiling, you just don't want to grip at the throat. Oh, okay. Because the sound does not come from the throat. Mm. The sound comes from your diaphragm. Okay. Uh Right. Well, that makes sense because a lot of times when I'm talking in a crowd, I am kind of amped up, and I think yes. I am gripping yes. my throat. Yes, and you're thinking about yelling, yes. and yeah. when people are like this all the time, yeah. they're going to have you know. Yeah. But if you think about it, babies, if you think of a baby just laying down, they can cry and cry right. and cry and cry right. and never lose their voice. It's because they are breathing. Ah. You see their stomachs going up and down, their diaphragm. Mm. They're doing diaphragmatic breathing. Okay. So they support that voice. So when you have your posture, whether you're sitting or standing, you want to support it with your breath. So we're going to do an exercise. Okay. Oh, God. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Put your hand on your stomach. Okay. Take a deep breath. Fill in that balloon. Do you feel your stomach going out, Mm -hmm. or do you feel your chest going up? Are you shrugging your shoulders? My stomach goes out. My chest My stomach is good at going out. (laughs) See, Liz, your whole face scrunched up, and your neck just went, like your neck, your neck grips. Yes. Yes. And that oh is where you are losing your voice. Yes. It you're is, right. It is not that you can't speak. It's, it's that you are gripping oh that my God. voice so that it cannot come out. This is our first I exercise, know. and we're having breakthroughs. I know. Yeah. Oh, my God. This Epiphany. Is, yes. So hand on your stomach. This is going to take me, like, a long time to get, but yeah. this is progress. Yes. Progress, not perfection. That's yes. yes. right. That's yes, right. Indeed. Progress, not perfection. Okay, so feet firmly on the ground, relaxed face, even turn your head side to side. Make sure you're really relaxed in that neck. And start from start from all the way down and breathe in for five. Much better. Good. Liz, that was much better. Oh yay. I know. Yes. I'm like yay. totally I'm watching you. Yes. Watching my <laughs> I know. cords. Corded throat. Uh, I know. And okay. I will say it gives the um, extra benefit of being more relaxed. If yes. You can imagine yes, being yes. on stage. Side benefit. Yes. If yes. you're breathing from deep in the diaphragm. The so, next time we have a meetup, everyone's going to be like watching you, I know. like breathe. I know. And, like no move your head from side to yes. side, yes. relaxing. I know. You have to get all okay. relaxed. Okay. So, one thing that you can do is uh, to practice this. What we're going to do is inhale. We're going to hold for five seconds, and we're going to exhale for five seconds on an s sound, on an s sound. Chuck, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Sorry for all the sounds, Chuck. Um, And we're going to see if we can exhale while keeping that s sound going. So you have to control the breath, right? Don't just Right, okay. Right? Okay, Okay, so we're going to inhale for five, hold for five, exhale on the s sound for five. Okay. Okay. Ready? One, two, three, four, five. Hold. One, two, three, four, five. Exhale. Let it out. How was that? That sounded good. I could only hear myself. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) And that's your first exercise. For voice strengthening. Okay. And okay. do you notice you're so doing like, nothing yeah. in so your do throat? do this like yeah. in a car? Or... Yes. Okay. You can do this 
any time, okay. and then eventually increase to exhaling that S sound 10 seconds. Ah, okay. Exhaling 15 seconds. Oh, wow. Exhaling while running in place. Oh, wow. We can okay. do this on our hikes. Yeah. On our work yes. hikes. Oh, good idea. Yes. yes. You're really strengthening okay. your abdomen and your diaphragm. Okay. So that's really where that voice comes from. That's where that real strong voice yeah. comes from. And then if you put your hand back on your stomach and then make a laughing sound, go, ha, 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 Do you feel that diaphragm go in? Yeah. Are you feeling it go in? Ha, 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 that's where you'll start warm. Okay, that's good. Yeah, relax. You can do that on all sorts of vowels. And then one of my favorites to really, really, really warm up that mouth and those lips. Because before you go on stage, you want to make sure that you're articulating, mm-hmm. make sure you're really warm, right? This is getting getting all that blood flow going, and you're like, you're ready to go. We're going to make the oh, sound. Wow, that's so hard. <clears throat> and you really need breath support to go, okay. right? So we're, we're going to start just with that inhale, the the inhale and then the exhale on the sound, okay. right? So we'll do the for five seconds. Ready? Okay. Inhale. One, two, three, four, five. Exhale on. Okay. Oh, my God. That's so hard. It's hard. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm clearly not yes. supported because it's hard for right? me to do. So you can really see yes. how yeah. you're letting it all yes. out. Yeah. As opposed to. You have to have wow. so much control in the. I'm right? in awe yeah. of your ability to do that. I know. For a seemingly endless amount of time. Yeah. When in doubt, even if you're not going to be a singer, mm-hmm. take a voice lesson. Oh. oh. Because take one voice lesson. Right. Find whoever in your town teaches, because the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to show you this breathing technique. Mm-hmm. Yes. I took voice lessons when I sang and I sang in a couple weddings. You I don't did? know why anyone asked me to, but she I has did. A beautiful voice. Oh, and Sarah. I took voice lessons for that. It really was helpful. I totally forgot about it. What it was did a long you time sing? ago. A John Denver song called Perhaps Love. Beautiful. It's a really pretty song. Can you sing it for us? Nope. <laughs> You're not going to sing it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that's great for warming up that mouth and that tongue and getting the blood flow up there is tongue twisters. Oh, Oh, no. Almost every acting class I ever went to, we started with a tongue twister that was the tip of the tongue, the roof of the mouth, the lips, the tongue, the teeth. Oh, my God. And we— That's like Pepper Reed did that, didn't she? When Pepper was here, she had a tongue twister that she did. It was similar. Okay, Mm -hmm. do that again. That's— and, Hard. and we can just do, like, the first line. Okay. And again, think of your breath. Don't grab. We can do the tip of the tongue, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. roof of, of the, the mouth. mouth, and then breathe into your abdomen. The tip of, of the, the tongue, tongue, the roof of the mouth, 
breathe into the abdomen. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. See? I totally so forgot. It is, you forget to yes, breathe. You, yeah. you forget, and then you start grabbing into your throat. Yeah. So really, it's, it's okay. mindfulness, and then it becomes second nature. It's like muscle uh-huh. memory. It is muscle memory. Well, Amanda, thank you so much. This is going to help me yeah. and help our listeners who have to put up with my scratchy voice. Well, this is, I have one more question, of which course. is how often oh, good do we need to do this? Should this be like a daily practice for five minutes a day or like what is enough for it to make a difference? You know, I say just do it. Just progress, do not it. perfection. That's right. <laughs> when you're in the car uh-huh. and you're sitting, you can practice good posture in uh, traffic. Mm-hmm. You can practice your five seconds. You're holding your breath. You can do it when you are walking around okay. and practicing that deep breathing, which, again, will only be beneficial if you're nervous or, yeah. you know, regardless, it's good to practice yes. that type of <laughs> yeah. mindful yes. breathing. Yeah, Work it into every day, right. it sounds so like. every day. Just okay. All right, just, Sarah, you got to keep me honest on this. Just okay. work it. I'm work excited. It, just another way to look crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll be on our hikes. <sighs> yes. yes. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, thank you, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. <laughs> thank you. Of course. And if you have more tips for me and my weak voice, please send them. You can email them to me at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we've got a hair Hollywood hack. But first, this break. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Okay, Liz, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, the heated straightening brush from Drybar. Yes, Sarah, you know I'm constantly searching for ways to do my own hair well enough that I don't have to get a professional blowout. Yes. And this is a new thing, at least new to me. I think it's fairly new. It's a heated straightening brush called the Brush Crush. So this is different than the hair dryer yes, brush. which I used as, I think, another hack. This is not a dryer. You uh-huh. use it with dry hair. And unlike a just hair straightener where you, you know, like a flat iron, yeah. this is a brush. And you brush pieces, uh-huh. but it's very easy, and it's easy to do the back of your hair. Well, and easy is key. Yes, and it doesn't hurt. That's the other thing is, like, you can—the the straight iron, you can easily burn yourself on. Yeah. This one is sort of more user-friendly. Mm-hmm. Now, it is $145, so it's not cheap, but for me— for instance, I'm not going to—if we're going to pitch a show, I'm still going to get a professional blowout because nothing replaces that. Right. 
But if we had, like, let's say, a lunch with an executive, mm-hmm. I would do this. I right. wouldn't feel that I needed to get a blowout. So ultimately, it will save me money. Right. That's less than three blowouts, for Exactly. Example. Exactly. So I, you know, I'm always looking for new tools. So this is the latest. The Brush <laughs> Crush from Drybar. Not um, an ad. Not an ad. <laughs> and we'll link to it in our show notes if anybody wants to look at it. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our guest, Amanda Nore Reed. You can follow her on Twitter at Amanda underscore Nore, which is N O R E T. And on Instagram at Amanda Nore Reed, R E E D. And thanks to Amanda's husband, a.k.a. our executive (laughs) producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. As always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Fain, and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. So as a singer, the higher you sing, the more you have to imagine the support coming from Basically, your vagina. (laughs) (laughs) So you really have to support those high notes Uh um, from the the furthest down in your diaphragm that you could get. Uh Um, You don't want to use bad habits and and squeeze and reach from your throat because then you're going to be grabbing that note. So if I'm I'm singing a higher note and I'm firmly planted on the ground, I'm going to go, I'm going to fill my abdomen, right, my diaphragm. Wow. That was straight from the vagina. Straight from the vagina. (laughs) (laughs) From the Onward Project.